Absolutely, it's about the people. Always, any job for me is about the people. Welcome to Creating Community with Dorian and Jake, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and other interesting people together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Coffee House and 1820 Marketing in the heart of Alvin, Texas. Today, we're recording from Alvin Community College. For more information about ACC, visit alvincollege.edu. Thank you to ACC for letting us come in and record. If you're a first-time listener, we encourage you to subscribe to hear more. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcasts or at 1820marketing.com slash podcast. We would love for you to subscribe to stay up to date with us and the community. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, we'd love to talk to you about it. Our goal is to reach our community and let them know about great leaders and businesses that are helping to make it better. If you want to be a part of that, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to start the conversation. In this episode, we are talking with Dr. Crystal Albrecht, president of Alvin Community College. This month, she'll be wrapping up her tenure as president, and we're happy to be able to sit down with her to reflect on her career and her future. We're excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Regent Jake and Dorian. (laughs) Thank you. We're glad to be here for sure. So the the first question that kind of pops in my mind as president is, can you tell us a little bit about your educational background? Besides the fact that I said doctor, but. (laughs) Sure, sure. Well, I really didn't start out thinking I was going to be a community college president. That's for sure. Uh, I always loved science and math in high school. And so in college, I became a clinical bacteriologist. And so my first job was really in a hospital laboratory where I was head of the microbiology lab. And I really loved that work. It, it was, it's very detailed work, but it was um, very critical work because helping physicians in a hospital to determine the source of infections in patients is, is really important because it helps them to determine which medication to give the patient. So I really loved it. And um, I probably could have done that for a very long time, but one day I got a phone call from the local community college, and they were short a microbiology teacher. And so they asked me, could I come and teach a night class two nights a week? And that was kind of when I, I guess I caught the bug. Got the, the bug. bug. Yes. We hear that all the time <laughs> from teachers. And it was, it, was a, it was a turning moment. For a while, I tried to do both. I tried to maintain my, my day job and my evening job. And that, it just became too much. And I had to make a choice. And so I left the hospital laboratory and uh, started teaching part-time. It was kind of a leap of faith because I really couldn't afford to be part-time. I, needed <laughs> right. to, I, had a, I already had one child, and uh, I needed a full-time job, and one came along at the same institution. So I started teaching there and, and just made the transition into education. What is it about education that you, you mentioned teaching part-time? Was it the students? Was it kind of the, what was it about education kind of struck out to you? Well, absolutely. It's about the people. Always any job for me is about the people. So it was wonderful to help students really learn and grow and know that they were preparing for a career that would give them a good wage that they could raise a family with. And so that part was really wonderful to just to see the evolution in the students and see them grow up and go out into the world of work. And did you have any once you made that leap of faith, as you put it, did you at any point have a regret that you made the wrong choice? No, I n- never did. I never um, looked back. There were some times when I transi- transitioned into different jobs that I uh, 
thought, mm, I'm not sure why I did that, <laughs> but never about the decision to go into education. All right. And so where did you get the doctorate from? So I, I earned my doctorate degree at the University of Houston. Oh. It was very interesting because I had, uh, I had started my doctoral degree, I want to say it was like 1990, 1991, something like that, when we were, my husband and I were living and working in the Houston area. And then about, I think I'd gotten about halfway through my coursework, so I'd completed about 30 hours. And I got this wild hair. I saw an ad in the newspaper back when people read newspapers. Right. <laughs> and it was for a job at the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board, um, it, which is in Austin. And oh. you know, I read that ad and I'm like, gosh, that sounds a lot like me. And I talked to my husband about it and I said, and when they called me for an interview, I, I went and was offered the job. And so off to Austin we go. Wow. And I thought, okay, I'm halfway through this degree program. Do I try to get into a program in Austin? Do I keep you know, up with this program in Houston? And it turned out that I decided to stay with the program that I had at U of H, which meant that every week I drove back from Austin. Because there's no virtual learning at this there point, right? No virtu- <laughs> uh, there, there was one part, I'll tell you about that in just a second, remind sure. me. Sure. Um, so I drove back, and I was. I, it's really by the grace of God that this worked out, because I was able to get two back-to-back classes on one night a week. Oh, wow. And I did that for two and a half years. And so I'd drive down there in the afternoon, take my two classes, I'd get back home around midnight, and get up in the morning again, and uh, and go to work. And by this time, I have four kids. Oh, and wow. So it's, <laughs> oh, wow. And, and much of the time, my husband did not, was not at the house because he's also in education. He ended up working in different parts of the state. So it was kind of a crazy time. But anyway, I finished up my, my doctorate degree at U of H in um, May of 1996. And guess what? In July of 1996, we moved back to Houston. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that was crazy. But you mentioned about the yeah, internet. Um, I had one project. I, there were different kinds of courses I had to take, and one was a project, and it was to learn about this this new thing, the internet, <laughs> right? And to, to understand what is a URL. It was all very mysterious to me. But uh, it was it was a, a good project. But just you know, really beginning to get. Right. We we had internet at the at the Texas Higher Ed Coordinating Board. It was all DOS based. Yes, it was really cumbersome and absolutely. Uh, yeah. I was in the military from ninety two to ninety six, and I remember. This is your email. An email. What are we doing? All right, and then internet, and yeah, it was a, a learning time for sure. Things have definitely changed drastically. Absolutely, I remember the key uh, key phrase. Well, I, it's on the website. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Dang this website. Yeah. Well, hopefully this goes away at some point, so we don't have to keep going here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Internet's a fad. Right. Uh, so it, for the community college world, I think that we have, last night as we record this, was the continuing education workforce development graduation. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about being a mom of four that I just learned? Right. <laughs> a mom of four working, going to school, I think that can be an encouragement for anyone that's considering mm-hmm. whether or not to come back. Oh, ab- absolutely. You, I mean, you can do it. I say sometimes, you know, you can have it all. Sometimes you just have to decide, do, do you really want it all? Because it's, it, can be, it can be a lot of work. 
and and especially it was difficult those times for me when um, when my husband maybe came home on the weekends, but during the week was not there. And that's when all the activities for school are going on. And it seemed like the minute he walked out the door to go to work for the week, you know, somebody would get sick or somebody get hurt. And it was definitely um, very challenging. And I might add too, that was before there was, we had cell phones or those big block phones, yes. brick phones. Bag phones. Uh, and, and we had a, we had a hardwired uh, phone in the car. There that was go. our first one in, wow. in the, in the early nineties. Um, but, you know, we didn't have free wireless minutes back then. So, uh, you no. know, our, our phone bills were very expensive and our, our phone calls went something like this. My husband would say, I miss you. I miss the kids. This is awful. And I'd say, I miss you. I have the kids. This is awful. And, and it was just <laughs> such a very trying, trying time uh, for both of us. And that was a dollar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that minute cost a dollar. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. But yeah, you, but you can do it. But I, I did it because I, I had the support of, I was able to get... Um, a good childcare, and what I did was I had to, I had either live-in nannies or people that came to the house uh, during the day and then left at night. If I had, if I in some houses, if I had enough um, room, they they could stay. Other not, otherwise not. But what I did to entice those students, they were all women, was that we would pay their tuition at the local community college. Oh wow! And so, even though we were getting you know quality childcare and and the only way that we could really manage, because with four kids that are spread 10 years apart, they're going to three different schools, and one of them is at home needing care. So it worked out sure. great that we could help other young women achieve their degrees at, at whatever local community college we were at, whether we were at Kingwood um, or in uh, when we moved to Austin and then back, and eventually back into the Houston area. So we did that. Well, it sounds like you're very passionate about education and have been for quite some time. Tell me what it is about community colleges that they offer that maybe a four-year school doesn't that might help those people that are trying to go to school. Oh, I love that question because, you know, my first job was at a community college. In, in up, this was in upstate New York, my first job. And to me, when my husband and I decided that we wanted to get out of the cold weather and we just scattered the South with our resumes and said, whoever gets the furthest South wins, that's where we're going. <laughs> oh, there you go. And, it, and, and we were focusing on um, universities because it sort of seemed like, well, maybe that's the next step. You know, you teach at a community college for a while, then maybe you should go to a university. So um, he, got, he had interviews in uh, Virginia and in San Antonio um, and I had interviews in uh, uh, West Virginia and in Galveston, Texas. Oh, you win. So I won, <laughs> yeah. And we ended up, um, me going to uh, teach at a four-year school at UTMB in Galveston. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Good school. It is a great school. And my daughter actually went to nursing school uh, years later there. Um, but I found I, I didn't like it as much as being at a community college because... Oh, wow. It just seemed like I could do so much more good at the community college. The students needed support in a way maybe that the four-year students didn't. And I just felt like I made a bigger impact uh, at a community college than I did at the university. So uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that leads into what we're going to talk about next. But first, let's take a moment and hear from our sponsors.
Hey everyone, it's your friendly neighborhood realtor, Parker White with New Villa Realty. It's not a secret the real estate market is red hot right now. Whether you have a dream of becoming a homeowner, your family's growing, and you need more room, or if you're an empty nester, I got you covered. New Villa Realty specializes in helping our clients achieve their real estate goals through a stress-free process and open communication 24-7. You will never be left in the dark, and I will be there with you for any questions you may have. Connect with me today so we can sit down and get you where you want to be. My phone number is 281-678-1811 or email me at parker at Realty. N-U-V-I-L-L-A.com. I would love to meet you. I'm Jamie Scafidi, President and CEO of the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce exists to provide support to businesses and organizations in the Alvin and Manville area. With various networking and marketing opportunities every month, the Chamber can help you grow your business. Learn more at alvinmanvillechamber.org. Hey, we want to take a quick moment and tell you a little bit about 1820 Marketing, the producers of this podcast. We believe that when businesses have quality marketing, it gives business owners the freedom to focus on what they do best. We design websites, produce videos, and create marketing materials that help clients grow their business. Find out more at 1820marketing.com. It's something different. And now back to the show. And we're back with Dr. Albrecht. So here's what I'd like to know is how did you learn from Galveston? How did you learn about the position with ACC? Okay. So, um, so after, after uh, we returned to Houston and I started working in a variety of jobs at the, the Lone Star College system, oh, yeah. which is wonderful. And I had a wonderful opportunity there to be the founding vice president of Lone Star College Sci-Fair and uh, wow. that was amazing to be the third employee of a brand new college and get to build everything from from the ground up, including not just the facilities, but the whole learning philosophy of the college and deciding, you know, what, what we wanted it to feel like when students came to the college. So from there, uh, after working several years, I decided that I really wanted to try for a presidency. And so I interviewed and... Um, was selected for a presidency at Pima Community College in, in Tucson, Arizona. Yes. And uh, it's, it's uh, a very large college system of five different campuses at that time. Um, and that, that was interesting because that was the kind of environment that I had been used to. I'd been lar- at large institutions, and so yeah. that, that was good. I, I didn't stay there a real long time. There was a bit of turmoil there. Uh, so I, I sought other opportunities and ended up at Florida State College at Jacksonville. And that was a great experience because that college system in Florida, as, as um, most of the colleges in, in Florida, uh, the community colleges are allowed to also offer baccalaureate degrees. So that was a great learning experience. And um, yes, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when Alvin Community College has baccalaureate degrees. Us as well. too, yes. So I, I had I had um, Alvin on my mind for the longest time, and I'll tell you when I first came here. I first came to visit this college in 1995 or six. It was when I was working at the Texas Higher Ed Coordinating Board, and back then they had a program where they had these what they called technical site visits, and a team from yeah. the coordinating board would come to the campus, and um, and 
look at a lot of paperwork and, and, and you know, decide if, if uh, the college had met all the criteria. And so I got to come here uh, and that team, and I, oh, when I was at the coordinating board, I sh- should say this, I was always assigned to the Gulf Coast Colleges. That was my special, my specialty area, my, uh, my geographical area, I should say. And then my specialty area was any of the allied health and nursing programs because of my background. So I got to come and uh, and see Alvin Community College, and that was back when uh, John Bethscheider was here. Some of you may remember John Bethscheider. He toured me around the campus, and uh, and I thought, oh, wow, this place is gorgeous. Look at this courtyard. And I, I can't I can't really tell you exactly why um, I was attracted to Alvin when the position vacancy became open, um, and I had been inquiring. You know, I knew Rodney had was going to retire. There was talk about it. So I kept reaching back to folks that I knew in the area saying, when is it going to be? And so uh, when it finally, when the opportunity finally came, uh, we, we jumped on it and, uh, and here I am seven years ago. Yesterday, I was going to say because I saw my anniversary, seven year anniversary yeah, yesterday. I saw Bell share the memory from seven years ago. Oh, I yeah. missed it. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, and so we were able to interview Carol Nelson from Alvin ISD. And so we'll ask you the same question. What, what do you consider kind of the primary role of the president of a community college? And I'll preface it with, for anyone that's listening, we get, she gets it. There are more than one priority and role of a president, but just generally, what do you kind of look at as your top priority? Oh my goodness. There are, there are so many. Um, I think one of the things that's always in the back of my mind is any decision that I make, can, is this going to move the college forward or is this going to cause the college risk? Is it going to be a problem? You know, I'm always trying to balance that out because you want to do good. You want to make your decisions that are going to help students, which in turn helps the community. But you're always thinking, um, is my decision here uh, going to cause a problem down the road? I think about that. Sure. And then there's always all of the other things. You know, you have to think about money all of the time. <laughs> sure. Um, and and how you know how are you going to get your funding from the state? And you know, and how are you going to meet all of these regulatory bodies, all these entities? How are you going to meet all of their um, standards and criteria and so forth, keeping the college accredited, which is, you know, number one huge thing. Yeah. And that kind of brings up the point. Why is it so important for accreditation? I know, but well, I'll let you give the more professional answer. (laughs) Yeah. may not know. So, I mean, beyond uh, the fact that, you know, having accreditation says to the world that you are meeting certain standards many standards that you are you are worthy enough institution for students to want to come to see you and to learn from you but it also from a practical standpoint if you don't have your regional accreditation and in our case it's the southern association of colleges and schools commission on colleges you can't award financial aid and you can't accept federal funds so it's, you know, it's kind of got, it's a little handcuff too. I mean, of course you want to ha- meet the quality standards of your accrediting body, but then that's in the back of your mind too. Absolutely. Well, as a graduate of ACC years ago, um, I know that there's a lot of things that happen at the school that 
people outside the school probably don't know. Uh, I try to stay up. I'm not as involved as Jake is with those political things or whatever you want to call them. However, it seems like every time we talk about ECC, it comes up that there's something else the school is leading in some way. So when I was here back a long time ago, Bill Lewis was leading the radio, television, film stuff. Of course, he's not here anymore, but he did a fantastic job of building that that program. And then we always hear about the nursing program, how it's leading the nation. How do you stay on top of that, and how do you keep coming up with new ways to stay at the top of the game? Thank you for that question. One of the things that really attracted me to Alvin Community College is that it is so comprehensive. It's not just come in here and get your two-year AA degree and transfer. It is so much more with all the extracurricular programming and so on. But, I mean, the key to staying on top of that is that you have great people that work here and that take their jobs very seriously. And so, I mean, it's not like I ever, I don't have to ask them, hey, make sure you keep your program, you know, in the top 95%. They're doing it because it's that important to them and, you know, and for their students. So, I mean, it is a lot. The the regulations do get overwhelming sometimes. (laughs) Right, sure. But everybody, you know, many hands make light the labor and they, everybody jumps in and they do their part and more really excellent employees here. Really, and excellent people. Fantastic. So I think I know the answer to this as well, but uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced in your time as president? Oh, my gosh. You know, and I think after seven years, you would think I I wouldn't find any other weird Something would stand out. (laughs) We joked about it with my team. You know, it seems like we pick up a rock and something squiggles out from under it that that we have to deal with. Um, Well, you know, lots of, lots of, lots of operational things I had to deal with when I got here. Um, There wasn't a strategic plan in place. There hadn't, there hadn't been a facilities master plan in, uh, in years. And, um, uh, board policies were way outdated, decades outdated. But board, we had a board policy, we always joke about it, that referenced uh, that we would send meeting notification through the telegraph. <laughs> and yeah. Just kind of crazy things yeah. like that. Yeah. And procedures needed That's, to be updated to follow. I didn't believe that, by the way. I heard that same story, and I, I've now heard it from enough people that... Well, I would take this at uh, yeah, face yes, value for, yes, got, for sure. I kept the old policy manual, oh, wow, so I can show it to you. Yeah, I mean, kind of. So, so many things like that, and of course, a big disappointment to me was that we were not able to pass either of the bond elections that we that we tried for. And of course, the first one was uh, to renovate the ACC campus and then to build a building on the west side of our taxing district to serve those folks out on the 288 corridor, which are our taxpayers. And that failed miserably, like embarrassingly, like 69 to 31%. It was really a a kind of a gut punch. Um, So we went back out again and we stripped off what seemed to be the most contentious part of that, which was the building of a building on the west side of our of our district and we just focused solely on the ACC campus for betterment and that failed but less badly so uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite as as awful and finally you know that just resulted in the in the board taking action in its own hands and saying okay 
we should do something called a maintenance tax note mm-hmm. that board can vote on and it does not require community approval. And so I think they were very courageous in doing that in August of 2018 and uh, got the $25 million bond passed, which with any luck, uh, the construction will be completed sh- over the summer and, and we'll see some um, really uh, improvements to, well, much of the improvement is to infrastructure. So you don't really see it as much. Yeah, we've talked about it in different uh, circles and stuff. And you hear it, it's not sexy. It's the AC. It's the duct, air ducts that are being replaced. It, it's, it's not the visible stuff. Yeah, it's not the flashy. And go, oh, yeah, change that. And, of course, there's some money for landscaping and things like that. But it's the things that are all behind the scenes that as long as you hear oh, airflow and you go, ah, it's fine. You don't need that. You kind of do. You kind of yeah. need the toilets to flush yes. and the water to run and <laughs> right. the, exactly. that sort of thing, yes. And no one cares until it doesn't work. Exactly. Uh, that's yeah. exactly it. Well, you, you know, I, I was a little surprised that your answer to Jake's question wasn't something about the pandemic. So I'm going to yeah. ask you about mm. the pandemic. So how have things changed as a result of what happened with the mask order and so forth that you think will stick with the college? Yes, the pa- I mean pandemic we've just been immersed in it for the last 15 months so it's we just don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. True. <laughs> well it changed some things really for us for the better um you know i told our board that our our, our faculty and our students really were not prepared to go totally online when we had to last march of 2020 but uh, we we move very quickly to get people up to speed. Was it perfect in the last spring? No. We all just did the best that we could to get by and to get through the semester. And then we ended up bringing back some students in the summer to complete their spring semester because they um, had to have the hands-on training component. Sure. So uh, at the same time, we were arranging to have all of our services offered in an online format. So our advising, counseling, financial aid, tutoring, library, all of that moved to a remote uh, service. And I think that is something that we will probably keep some amount of. I mean, we'll have the majority of our people back on campus. Everyone is expected to be back on campus uh, August 1st, and we're about 50% right now. And uh, but I think we will still there'll still be students who want to access those services remotely that because we do have students that are still taking classes um, that will continue to take classes solely online. And so why should they have to come to the campus if they could, you know, log into a computer or pick up a phone? So the, the, the question remains as to whether or not those remote services will be provided by someone who is themselves remote or would they be on the campus yeah, while they're doing yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. sure. Well, and you guys must have done something right to get through this pandemic because you just held your graduation for May of 2021. Yeah. And yep. how many people graduated? Well, um, how many signed up to walk? I think were, uh, it was around 450 that signed Fantastic. up to walk. But I think oh, uh, closer to about 400 actually showed that night. But it was great. It was a beautiful evening. The weather was perfect. Uh, nice little breeze. And uh, I'm telling you, we've, I, I, I was a little nervous about it because it was a new venue for right. us. But yeah. it went really well, smoothly. And I know Jake was in attendance as a Board of Regent member. Uh and I was able to watch it online because we had one of our staff from our coffee house that was graduating. So we pulled it up on, at the coffee house and watched through it. Uh, I actually missed her, but uh, it was still on. So, yeah. 
But so I do like that it was able to stream and you're able to do those yeah. things. And it's really neat. And I haven't been to a graduate. My wife got her master's later, you know, like maybe 10 years ago or so. And, and that was a little different for me as well, but that's the last graduation I've kind of been to. And to be sitting in the privileged seat that I got to, uh, as it was a blessing to be a regent and be able to sit there and, and see these, I would say kids, but they're all young adults <laughs> or any age walking across that stage and hearing the family cheer and whatever else they snuck in. It sounded like drums sometimes, but <laughs> just the, the joy of these families celebrating was, was cool. And I think it had as much as it was about actually graduating, it had to do with like succeeding despite the obstacles of a pandemic and right. You know, right. Absolutely. Especially what those students had to go through. Uh, I mean, it's hard enough in any circumstance, but having to learn totally remotely or mostly remotely anyway, it was, I can't imagine how they all did that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so kind of our final question to you is that as you conclude your tenure, as an ACC, as the and president. we talked about it. You have six weeks left or one yeah. board meeting, two board meetings. So whatever. Uh, <laughs> two board meetings and a workshop. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Um, She's not counting the days. No, no, we know that. But uh, as you wrap that up, is there anything you'd like to say to the to staff or the students that maybe you don't know that you could get out without crying in, in a more see, formal? Right. Thank you for that. Well, I, I just want to say it's been my pleasure and my honor to have served here at Allen Community College for seven years. And uh, it's been a pleasure to work alongside of the wonderful team, uh, my executive leadership team, the deans, the directors, all the faculty. There are some outstanding faculty that we have here. It's just been a really, really great. It's really, it's really more like a family than, than it is uh, coming to work. And to our students, you know, we have some students that are just so amazingly talented and such a pleasure uh, to be with. And I'm just so proud of them. And I'm, I'm, I want to encourage our current students and, I, and our students yet to come, you know, to continue to pursue your dreams. You can do it. And just sometimes you just have to tell them they can do it. You know, you, sometimes you just need somebody that says that out loud. Yeah, I agree. I know Jake said that was the last question, but I got one last question for you. What would you tell to the to the person that says, because I hear this all the time, well, I didn't get a degree. I only got a community college degree. What oh, would you say to that oh, student? I, guess I get so tired of people marginalizing community colleges yep. or making it seem like it's the second choice or the choice for the student that couldn't get into the university. I'm a community college grad, and guess what? I was graduated third in my high school class. I could have gone, I could have gone anywhere. Um, I went to a community college and then transferred on to, you know, to my, to Syracuse University is where I got my baccalaureate degree. But you, you earned that and that is powerful and it's meaningful and it's going to either get you a job or get you into your next degree pursuit. So um, I, I, I really do. It makes me, makes, it's a constant battle for those of us in community colleges to, yes. to really hold, hold our head high and say, this is a really, really important uh, step. Maybe it's your first step. Maybe it's your only step into higher education. I, I would agree. Thank you so much for coming in, letting us talk to you, letting us come in here and meet with you. We really enjoyed this time. It's, it's been my pleasure. Thank you both. And thank you to Alma Community College for letting us come in and invade and record. We appreciate it. And then Dr. A, as we affectionately call you, 
I just want to say it's been a pleasure to serve beside you as a regent, even if it was only for a year. <laughs> and thank you for everything you've done for Alvin Community College, and congratulations on your retirement. Thank you so much. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcast or at 1820marketing.com slash podcast. This podcast is produced by 1820 Marketing. For show notes, visit 1820marketing.com slash podcast.